thank you for your word which we are about to receive. We ask and receive wisdom and revelation from the word. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened, and there is no confusion in our midst. We will see you clearly as revealed to us in scripture by your spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are glorified and we are edified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Glory to God. You can have a seat. Good morning, church. I want to thank my daddy, our daddy, the vicar of the church, Reverend G.D. Songu. Thank you very much, daddy, for your work here. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to share with God's people this morning. The gospel keeps on prospering in your hands, sir. The work of God will not fall from your hands. It prospers and you are helped of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come to your neighbor and say, you are blessed. Make it a practice. Always tell believers you are blessed. Let it be a practice. Let it not just be, uh, let it not just be a careless thing. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. It's like a past, present, continuous step. It's a permanent reality for them who are in Christ. Say to your neighbor, you are blessed. Say to them with all spiritual blessings. With all of them. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, we spend so much time trying to look for blessing there, there, and there. Turn to your Bible and look at it. Discover the blessings of God. So then in the morning when we were singing, we were inspired to hear that we should count our blessings, name them one by what? One. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The reason why people get depressed and commit suicide is because in this world we are being distracted from the reality of the blessings of God which are so much in Christ Jesus. They are your reality as long as you come into Christ. So it is hard to see a believer commit suicide out of depression. He doesn't know that the joy of the Lord has been given to him as a blessing. It's not this circumstantial feeling. So the world has sold to us that we need to see, feel, get before we experience the blessings of God. But joy is a blessing given to the believer, natural state. And it's not just a joy of knowing. It is an active joy. It's called agalio. It means that it is a joy that expresses itself. Even in a baby in the womb, the Bible says that when the baby in the womb of Elizabeth saw that Jesus had come, he lived for joy. That word joy here is agalio. It means that the, the natural response as a result of the meeting with Christ is joy. So when you see a believer who is frustrated with life, you're not trying to become a therapist for him. You are going to remind him and point him back to who he is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So the topic today is very interesting. Please you would help me as usual to read the scriptures that I would mention and Please look into it, take your pen, your paper, write it down. You might have questions, write them down, take notes, and be a diligent student of scripture as we want very quickly. Amen. The topic today, can we say after me, the futility of worldliness. The futility of worldliness. Amen. Over to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, verse 36 to 38. Quickly. 
chapter 8, verse 36 to 38. Right? 
to profit in the whole world and then he now made the contract lose your soul hallelujah our topic is the futility of what worldliness that means the uselessness the lack of profit the lack of reward of worldliness so now what is worldliness you may ask what is what is worldliness if worldliness is not expensive car, you know when the parable is given, he said the rich man says it's possible for a rich man to enter heaven you know what I'm okay maybe rich, riches or wealth is the worldliness no, hallelujah so worldliness is a thought pattern, say after me worldliness is a thought pattern it is a system of conduct communicated to the believers who doesn't belong to that system of the world? Listen, the believer, the church, you and I, except you've not accepted Christ as a Lord and Savior, you and I are called the church. We are called Ecclesia, called out ones. Why are we explaining this? If you recall, we went in the Old Testament today. I hope you followed the Old Testament. Old Testament in Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, it talked about the story of Joseph. Hallelujah. You wonder why are we studying the story of Joseph when we are studying worldly, uh, utility of worldliness. Hallelujah. Now, it is important that whenever you read any scripture, that you know that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the subject of that scripture. It means that whenever you are reading the story of Joseph, be looking for what it was communicated about Jesus. So the Christology of scripture is the theology of scripture. If you study scripture as a storybook, you will never come to the truth. That's what scripture was saying when it says, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said to them, have you not read Moses wrote about me? How come that I come to you when you do not know me? So what was Moses writing when he wrote about Joseph? Moses was writing about Christ. But Moses used the reality of Joseph to communicate Christ. Follow me. It is important as we now understand worldliness, the utility of worldliness. Carefully follow me and write it down. Genesis chapter 50, verse verse 24 to 26. We read the whole chapter. We read the whole verse. As a summary, let me help you understand it. Now, Joseph was captured by Moses as the only son of his father, beloved in the father's house. Jesus was the, the only begotten son of God. Who is my most beloved? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Moses captured it in Joseph's, in Joseph's story. Then Moses captured that Joseph came to his brothers and his brothers hated him. The New Testament reveals to us that it was Christ. He came to his own and his own new rejected him, received him not. Bible records that Moses captured Joseph, was cast in the pit. Jesus by his brothers, by them who he will later say. Jesus cast in hell. Jesus died, was put in hell. He faced tribulation. He suffered. Pontius Pilate, Jesus suffered in hell. Joseph Potiphar, the temptations of Jesus. All those things were reflect, were capturing Jesus. Now, the, one of the most important ones in that verse, go to chapter 50, verse 24 to 26. Read it. Very briefly. Yes. I am about to die. God will Picard visit you and bring you up out of this world. He will bring you up out to the land which is to the land which is good. Yes. Good. God will visit you and 
and you shall carry off my gold from there. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten you can stop there. You can stop there. Hallelujah. Joseph made a prophetic statement that is the fulfillment of God's promise to the children of Israel in Genesis that there is going to be an exodus that is a living from Egypt out into another place called the promised land. It was a figurative statement of how Jesus will by his death and resurrection call us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus. The church is referred to as Ecclesia. The word Ecclesia is nothing from the Greek word Ek and Ecclesia. The word Ek is the word out of. And the word Ecclesia is the word to call. So the word the church is the one that has been called out of the world into another system. Out of darkness, into light. Out of Egypt, into the promised land. If you miss that in Genesis, you will struggle with the rest of the scriptures. Hallelujah. Are you following? Now, so we now see that there is a separation of the world from the church. And the, the separation is not just a physical geographical separation. Magodo is different from Isheri. No, it is a spiritual system that has been implanted in the people of the world and a spiritual system that has been implanted in the people of God. It means that the, the, the way God does the separation is by the demarcation of spirits and system and order. That means the people of the world have a spirit that is at work in them. And that spirit then works in their mind, works with their rebellious mind to carry out the things we call worldliness, which are the outward signs, the fruits of the mango tree. So what are the physical signs of the outwardness? Uh, what are the physical manifestations of the reality of worldliness, which is a system in a person or people? It is sexual immorality. It is fornication. It is theft. It is lying, stealing. There are different forms. That is the reason why no sin is greater than the other. It says, all sins are equal before me. If you break one law, you break all. That's not the problem. The problem is the state of the mind. Praise the Lord. We said that worldliness is a system. So a man can have money and be worldly, and a man can have money and be godly. It means that worldliness is defined by the way a man thinks towards the things in the physical world, towards his relationship with people, the way and the things that comes out of that thinking. So evil in the world. Evil, sin, and all those things. They are just on the perimeter. The real issue is the man. Hallelujah. So what is what is the utility of, the, of, 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 of this worldliness? The reason why we need to study it as a church. The world does not need to study worldliness. Why? They are born like they are born there, they are of the world. Okay? The world is their source. So they don't need to study it. Hallelujah. I don't need to come here to start teaching you how to not fornicate. You know, because you are born of God, it is there. So what do I teach you? I teach you from the scripture how Jesus has taught us to win over the, to, to be victorious over this world. He says, you are in the world, but you are not what? Of the world. You are not born of the world. You are born of God. There has been a separation, a, a, an exodus 
from Egypt to to Canaan. There is an exodus from the flesh. You were born by your parents by a fleshly desire. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. You are not is a flesh carrying having spirit. It's your reality in Christ. You have been born. So when you see a believer being enticed by the things of the world, what has happened is that he has begun to enjoy onions in Egypt. He is not an Egyptian. Israel was not an Egyptian. They are not Egyptian. Joseph was an Egyptian. He is not of Egypt. So when you find yourself as a believer, enjoying the things of the world, something is wrong. Because you are born of God. You are now enticed by the things of the world. Hallelujah. So, what's the solution? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Quickly. Can you read it? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Yeah. What it means is that you can do business in the world, but your life's decisions should not be influenced on the world. It should not be influenced on movies. It should not be influenced on Telemundo. Your understanding of love should not come from movies. It should not come from the systems of this world. Your understanding of giving principle should not come from this world where you have to borrow money from the bank and pay with interest. So when you come to church, you want to reflect that. So when you want to give to God, you are looking for how it's going to multiply. That's a pattern found in the world. You are not of the world. And that pattern, within that pattern, is futility. Say after me, futility. The believer is to consistently renew his mind, not with newspaper, not with biology, but with the word of God. Still with the word of God. The word of God is the renewing of the mind of the believer. How does he do it? You keep on reading about your identity here in Christ. He says, that which is born of God cannot sin. My reality is that I don't sin. That means if I sin, I really need it. It is contrary to your nature to sin. Right? He says, you, have, you are made holy, righteous, sanctified. Then when you begin to feel condemned, the Bible says that if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He's more greater than our heart. So God has called you holy. You are holy. When you are feeling unholy, that's your mindset. Because of the things you have engaged in, you are not unholy. God called you out, made you holy, separate, sanctified, justified. You are not an Egyptian. Praise the Lord. So why should a believer then not participate in the things of the world? See, the things of the world, I mentioned it's not cars and this thing. I mentioned it is a mindset. It is a pattern of life. Now the things of the world and people in the world will perish. Seldom they will perish. The, whole, the end of the, this world is perishing. The reason why this world is called a world in time is because time will end. And at the end of time, there is something called eternal judgment. It is at the eternal judgment that everyone will now see what it meant that you spent six hours learning architecture and you did not spend one minute preaching the gospel. You spent six hours learning the patterns of the world, systems of the world, how to make money, economics, how to yahoo, 
how to whatever it is. That's when you will now see the futility of this world system. This world system makes it feel like when you are sleeping in your house in the morning, you are the worst person in the earth. You need to run out, hustle, chase, run, die, get money, make money quick, die. That's the world system. It makes you feel like that is the most important. But that thing is temporal. There is something which is eternal that can only reign in heaven. It is the salvation of man. Over to the book of Revelation that we read, and we, I will end with, yeah, with that place. That's where I'm ending right now. So, Revelation, I will, will read Revelation. Someone else open to the book of Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Then someone else open First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Quickly, we will read the three together. Quickly. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 to 15. No, no, read Revelation first. Revelation yes. 20, mm-hmm. verse 15. Yes. Verse 15, the last. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast. No, but from verse 12 to 15. From verse 12. Yes. And I saw the dead. Stop. Who did he see? The dead. The dead does not refer to biology here. The dead refers to those who died in the world. Any man who dies in the world is a dead man. You don't believe biology, people who think of what they died by the This is what you mean. This is very well. And I saw the dead, dead great, small and great, yes. stand before God. Stand before God. And the books we are open. Yes. And another book was open, mm-hmm. which is the book of life. Yes. And the dead we are joined out of those things which we are written in the book. So according to their work. And the sea gave up the dead, which we are in it. And they and her delivered up the dead, which we are in them. And we are judged every man according to their work. And they and her we are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The second death, because it was the first death, it was the fact that they were unbelievers. This second death will happen to a person who in his lifetime did not receive eternal life. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, his name was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. That is a judgment. Hallelujah. It is the judgment of the world. There is no cadence for that judgment. That type of judgment, what is happening there, is eternal death, final death. There is no small death there, high death there, great and small. Just that. So Jesus said, This is the condemnation that Jesus came into the world and men did not receive him. That's the reason why they will enter in the lake of fire. But now, what about us now? If this is not okay to us, which one is talking to us? The Bible calls it the Berman seat of Christ. So now, the final scripture, over to that Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 to 10. That is the judgment of the Ecclesia. It is specific to the church. No unbeliever will make it to the, to the Berman. And this is where Paul captured it. Very good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Five, chapter 5, verse 10. What are you reading? So sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Christ. Please read it again. Please pay attention there. It's important to your eternal judgment. For the church, 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We all who? The church, Ecclesia, must all appear before the judgment seat of our Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. That each of us may receive the things done while in this world. According to that we are done. According to that which we are done. I mean, whether it be good or bad. So the church does good and bad. There is judgment coming. It is not the judgment in Revelation chapter 2, chapter 20. It is the judgment at the judgment of Christ. Now, see the continuation of that judgment. Paul again, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. That is where he now explains this. Each man works with one manifest. Each man works with one manifest. For the day will disclose. The day will be because it will be revealed with fire. And fire will what sort of work each one has done. Yes. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If, if any man work is born, what is born of he will suffer loss. He will suffer loss. Now though he himself will be saved. He himself will save but only but only as true fire. But only as true fire is a statement saying empty without reward. Praise the Lord. So the futility of a church working in worldliness is that after you have suffered all the things you are suffering on the earth, you are coming to church, but your your life is about worldliness. Satisfy your desire. Your mindset is the world. You're not renewing your mind. You never spoke. You never preached the gospel. You never saved one person. You get there and you realize that you have lost all your reward. It is a terrible thing, so terrible, it is there that believers will see, ah, Jesus, I wasted life that I had. Because you spent time in the futility of worldliness. Though, the person will not be saved, but trust me, and the person will be saved, but as one who went through the fire. You know when fire burns the house, no more property, nothing. In heaven there is eternal reward. Salvation is not a reward though. It is the gift of God. So this reward being spoken about is not salvation entered into heaven. It is actually reward for them who are in Christ already. Ecclesia. Praise the Lord. So believers. We have seen that the futility of worldliness for the man in the world is already condemnation because of the mindset he has. He doesn't believe that Christ is the Son of God. We have also seen that the utility of worldliness for the man in Christ already is the fact that he will suffer loss. We will be judged at the judgment of Christ. This is not a condemnation, but an admonition that you take step today, knowing that you are the called out ones of God, go into the world, preach the gospel, do things with the mind of Christ, renew your mind in Bible study. Stop avoiding things that are of the spirit. They say, Bible study, nobody comes. We say, let's do fun fair. The whole world, plus believers and non-believers, will come there. The things that are yours have been blinded in our eyes. These things are the things that will count in eternity. Hallelujah. So don't spend your treasures in the earth where moths and termites can destroy it. Don't spend your time in things that unbelievers can get without Jesus. Spend your time investing in eternal rewards so that you will not be you will not lose them at the last day. Let us pray.
Say, Father, we thank you for your word, which has come to us. We know that the entrance of the word means life. We know that the eyes of our understanding is being enlightened. Let your word keep on spreading, and that we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in Jesus' name. Let us confess our faith in words of the Apostle Creed, page 29 of our worship. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, 